welcome to the Taney Love Church Podcast. Our desire is to gather, train, and send those who are called to the kingdom. We hope this message inspires, uplifts, and equips you to fulfill the call that God has placed in your life. Thanks again. God bless. You know, I was I was studying. I thought I had a message all prepared and ready to go, and um, I was studying before service, and um, some other things started to come up in my heart, and I was like, "Well, Lord, what, you you want me to preach on that?" And I I felt like the Lord's like, "I'll let you know." So here we are, um, and I'll, I'll let you know. Um, but we'll uh, well, I, I want to tell you a few jokes this morning. Is that okay? Wake you up. Act like I didn't hear that, Jenna. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> I want to tell you a few jokes this morning. We'll just, we'll just uh, break the ice. Um, why did Jesus hate the Pharisees' coffee? Because it was brewed of vipers. I'm not even going to look at Jenna. Um, where was Paul the most disappointed? The Bible says he was let down outside of Damascus. You might like this one. <laughs> How did Solomon keep all of his wives happy? Well, the Bible says in First Kings ten. Uh, the, uh, hold on. the Bible says in First Kings ten sixteen that he built two hundred targets. What? Go look it up. Read it. King James Version, it means something else, but I thought it was funny. He built over 200 targets. That's how he kept all his wives happy. Anyway, well, if you have to explain the joke, it wasn't funny. You know, that's, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, glory to God. Uh, Grace, put up, if you would, Matthew 18, 20. And we'll start there. And if you guys want to turn there, you can. And uh, I just want to read this to you quickly. And we'll see where we go from here. Um, I feel like the Lord's been talking to me about being more flexible. And uh, not getting so locked into just what my plans are. And, and many times you do go the direction you think you're going to go. Um, but it's good to check and make sure. Uh, Matthew eighteen twenty in the King James Bible, it says, For where two... Or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Now I'm going to ask you guys to read that out loud with me. Uh, ready? Read. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Read it one more time. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Now I'm going to do a head count this morning. We got one, we got two, we got three, we got four, we got five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Well, we're already over the limit, right? We're over the limit of the amount of people it takes to have a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Now, as you can see, and as Jenna mentioned earlier, we're a little skinny this morning. And that's okay, you know, nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you get a skinny latte on a Sunday morning. Um, But uh, that does not mean that the service has to be any less anointed and we can't get something good from the Word of God. Um, something that I felt like the Lord has been ministering to me about is faithfulness. And um, the way that you test a person's heart is to give them a little of something. Um, When it comes to ministers and pastors, one of the biggest tests uh, of whether or not somebody has a shepherd's heart is what they do with a few sheep. Amen? What they do with a few sheep. Uh, in in uh, 1 Samuel 15 or 16, when David was going to f- uh, fight Goliath, his uh, older brother looked at him and he said, who did you leave those few sheep with in the wilderness? He despised the few sheep. Um, an even greater test, though, of somebody that has a shepherd's heart is how they respond to the one. And the willingness to minister the word of God to one person. And, and the thing is, it's not about... Me as the minister, it's not about you as the congregation. 
It's about our reverence for the Word of God and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people, I think, have an idea that, um, you know, if, if, I had a, if I had this certain thing, then I would show reverence for it. Or if, if we were in this kind of service, then, then we'd, we'd pay attention, we'd be, you know, we'd be invested. Or if, if I was preaching to a lot of people, then I'd really, you know, I'd pull out the big guns. But the truth is, how I preach to one person is how I'd preach to 100,000 people. Why? Because that's 100,000 one persons, <laughs> individuals, you know. And so how I preach to you and the, the effort that I put into the message that I'm going to preach today, even though, let's just be real, I know it's only going to be 10 of us today. Well, I don't know that I'll ever speak to 1,000 people. But if I ever do, it will be because I was faithful with 10. And whatever in your life that you're called to do, if you're going to do it on a big scale, and that's God's will, by the way. It, you know, I think sometimes we've, we've heard the verse that says, if you're faithful with that which is least, you'll be entrusted with much. And we kind of just act like the second part of that verse doesn't exist. And well, if I'm faithful with the least, and we think we're always going to have least. But, you know, there's a promise attached to being faithful with that which is least, and that is that you will be entrusted with much, whatever that is, whether it's money, whether it's, you know, people in the field that you're called to minister in or work in. If you're faithful in the least, you'll be entrusted with much. That's what Becky was just talking about, um, being, in, being able to handle more. And when it comes to prosperity, I think one of the things that uh, people get the most confused about when they're looking from the outside into uh, parts of the body of Christ that teach and preach that is that they get the idea that we're preaching God rewarding laziness. You know, and that's not that's simply not true. I don't know anybody who's successful financially, successful in ministry, successful in music, successful in business that is lazy. I don't know anybody like that. And so that's not the message of prosperity, so to speak, or believing that God wants us to have our needs met, wants us to have more ability. Really, the greatest prosperity message you can preach is stewardship and faithfulness. Because if you're faithful with that which is least, you will be entrusted with more, no matter what it is. And it's not a matter, you know, people say, well, you know, God wants everybody to prosper and that's true. He wants them to do well. He wants them to have their needs met. He certainly doesn't want anybody to be impoverished. But God does not want everybody to have grand ability if they can't handle it. You know, um, God's not going to give you something that's going to take you away from him. You know, he's not going to give you something that's going to draw your heart away from him. And so, because if it did, that wouldn't be true prosperity anyway. So God's going to test you with a little bit. Um, I wasn't planning on going this direction, but Grace, um, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Um, put up Proverbs. Let me, let me look it up here. Um, I wasn't sure if I'd, if I'd say this or not. Proverbs, um, don't let me down, Bible app. Come on. Um, give me one second here. That's worth finding. Y'all just, just hang with me for a second. Uh, this is worth looking at. Proverbs 27, 23. Proverbs 27, 23. Um, this is one of those verses that a lot of times we, we read. It says, uh, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and look well to your herds. Verse 24. For riches are not forever, and a crown doesn't endure to every generation. Um, we don't have the passion, do we, Grace? If, if we do, it'd be fun to put it up. If not, I'll just read it. Put that up. Um, put it, go back to verse 23. It says, A shepherd should pay close attention to the faces of his flock and hold close to his heart the condition of those he cares for. A man's strength, power, and riches will one day fade away, and not even nations endure forever. 
do verse 25. Um, okay, no. Oh, yeah, that's good, too. Take care of your responsibilities and be diligent in your business, and you will have more than enough. Um, there's a translation. I, I don't know what it is right now. I need to look for it. But there's a translation of that. It may be in the Message Bible that says, A man is tested by giving him a measure of fame. By giving him a measure of fame. You know, there's a lot. We're, we're in a generation right now that um, almost anybody can become famous overnight just by making a video or just by doing something. They can go viral overnight. And, you know, some of that, you know, people say, well, promotion comes from the Lord. Not all promotion comes from the Lord. Godly promotion comes from the Lord. But the enemy can promote people too. And he promotes people. I mean, in fact, the Bible says in Timothy, it says not to promote a novice. A novice is somebody who um, they've, they don't know anything. They're young in the Lord. They're immature. And it said, lest they be lifted up in pride and they fall like the devil did. Well, the Lord's not in that. There are some people who are promoting babies. And people are getting promoted. People are getting entrusted with things that they haven't proven themselves in. So with God, the way to increase the right way is through faithfulness. And faithfulness is doing what God has entrusted you to do with what he's given you. Amen. I'm not sure why I'm going that direction, but it actually is, is not at all the direction I was planning on going this morning. But uh, I, I think we're going to camp on that for a second. Um, I'm with you for two weeks. You're stuck with me for two weeks, so I can take my time. You know, I don't have to get through it all today. Um, babe, put up Galatians 6 in verse 7. Father, I just pray over the rest of these uh, few minutes, Lord, I'm, I'm endeavoring to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, and I ask that you would help me to communicate clearly the word that you would have me communicate, Father. I, I thank you for giving us all ears to hear and eyes to see what you want to say to us this morning, Father. Thank you for helping us to flow with your spirit and receive something good from your word. It says this, um, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So, why would he say don't be deceived? Well, you could be deceived into thinking that um, what you sow, you're not going to reap. Now, that's twofold. People can sow all kinds of bad seeds. Um, they can do a lot of awful things and think it's never going to come back to bite them. And apart from the mercy of God and repentance, that's not true. In fact, <laughs> um, uh, I believe it's in Hosea, it talks about people sowing a breath and reaping a whirlwind. Um, you can, when you, when you do evil to other people, if you don't repent and ask God for mercy, you're going to get that multiplied. Well, we don't want that. But... We don't want to just look at this from the negative point of view because if you've sown good seed, that means you're going to reap that multiplied. So God is not mocked. What you sow, you're going to reap. If you've been faithful in that which is the least, you're going to be entrusted with much. You're going to be entrusted with more. He said, uh, verse 8, For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. He said, and let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we will reap if we don't faint. Um, I was praying on Tuesday night. We were praying together, some of us. And in my time of prayer, the Lord asked me a question. And this is the only thing I felt like I heard all night. I felt like the Lord spoke up on the inside of me, still small voice. He asked me, what is well-doing? He didn't say anything else. He said, what is well-doing? And so I thought, well, okay. I'm, I went home and studied it out and looked into what well-doing is. And I, f I found this about well-doing when I studied it out. Well, the simple answer is obeying God, you know, 
obedience to God has to do with well-doing. But that's not all there is to it. Um, the, the, when you study out the phrase well-doing, it has to do with um, manufacturing or constructing a thing and doing it in a beautiful manner. It has to do with beautifying a thing. Uh, it has to do with making it look pretty, making it nice. In other words, what you're doing is you are not only obeying God, but you're doing it to the best of your ability. It, it, it presents the picture of baking a cake, baking a cake. Let's say you're baking a cake. Well, you can go to Country Mart and you can get the dollar Pillsbury, you know, um, with the dough boy on the front, and you can bake that, and uh, you can, you know, spread the icing on top of it and throw some icing on there, and you got a, you, know, you got a birthday cake. You know, nobody's going to complain, you know, at least it tastes good, you know. But then you have these people on Instagram and, and stuff that they're professional cake bakers, and they take their time. They will... Um, they will bake each layer to perfection. They will mix certain icings. They will do everything. And, and, and they actually get to the point where the cake is so fancy that they can use it to look like something that's a real item. You know, you've seen some of these realistic cakes, kind of freaky because you don't know what's cake and what's not. And so they'll, they'll put so much into baking this cake. Well, that's a picture of what it means to do well. That's a picture of what it means to do something excellently with excellence. I'm doing it well. I'm doing it to the best of my ability. And he said not to grow weary in well-doing. Well, why would you grow weary in well-doing? You know, if you're just doing something half-heartedly, you're not really tempted to grow weary in it because you're not really putting forth much effort. Um, if you're just doing the bare minimum, there's not really much of a temptation to grow weary with that. You're just doing enough to get by. But the reason why you'd be tempted to grow weary in well-doing is because it takes time. And it takes effort. It takes diligence to put your whole heart into a thing. And uh, well-doing has to do with not only what you do, but how you do it. How you do it. I was impressed... Um, not just naturally speaking, but in my spirit, I was impressed by Sue and Roger's um, dinner that they put on last week. Um, but I wasn't just impressed with it after the flesh. I was impressed with it in my heart. And me and Elijah looked at each other, and we both said to each other, you know, this reminds us of faith, life, hospitality. And what's interesting about it is that, you know, I know you guys don't have the budget that Faith Life does for their hospitality. You didn't have the same facilities. Probably didn't have all the same products necessarily. But what was it that reminded us of Faith Life hospitality? It was the heart behind it. It was the heart that you put into it. And I could sense in my spirit, me and Elijah both said this, the Lord was pleased with it. Because it wasn't because you had the same exact things in the natural or that you even had everything to work with in the natural, but you did it in a godly manner. And that honored the Lord. And what's interesting about this, we'll look at this here in a minute. But in Matthew 25, he said that what he had entrusted to his servants, he did it according to their ability. So... It wasn't about what he gave them or how much he gave them. It's what they did. It's the heart behind what they did with what he gave them. It's not about the quantity. It's not even about the quality of the thing. It's about the quality of the heart. And when God gives you something, when he puts something in your hand, it's so easy to despise it. And it's so easy to despise the people that you're with and to despise the place that you're at. And the Lord knows that after the flesh, it's not, it's not something that's very exciting. He knows it's not something that just, 
you know, get, get your uh, wheels turning necessarily. But why, why do you have it? Why do you have that thing? Why do you have that job? Why are you at that place? Because the Lord has given you an opportunity to increase. But it doesn't happen automatically. And this is where I think people have gotten confused with prosperity is that one of the biggest principles of prosperity and increase is stewardship, is faithfulness and stewardship. You know, Paul said godliness with contentment is great gain. The Lord spoke to my heart recently on the inside, and he said, Ben, contentment is seeing the potential in what you already have. I'm going to say that again. Contentment is seeing the potential in what you already have and what's already in your hand right now. Contentment is not about, well, I guess this is all we'll ever have and this is as good as it's ever going to get and we're just going to have to, you know, settle for that and be satisfied with that. And that's okay, you know, even if, even if it doesn't ever get any better than this, then, you know, at least, at least we have, you know, this, at least we have that and, you know, it'll be fine and, yeah, you know, just go to work. No, that's not contentment. That's complacency. In fact, we're going to see this too, but the Bible talks about being fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. You know, consistency without fervency is complacency. That was a lot of C's, I understand. That's how you know it's true, because they rhymed. (laughs) Consistency without fervency becomes complacency. And so it's not just about doing the same thing over and over again and just saying, okay, we're, never, we're not expecting anything else. No, contentment has to do with looking at what you have and seeing it for what it can become. That's what a seed is. When you sow a seed, the Bible talks about plowing in hope. And that the plowman should plow in hope that he would be a partaker of the harvest. When you're looking at a seed that you have, you're, you're sowing it, not because you're losing it, because you're investing it, saying that there's potential in that seed to become more, to multiply, to increase. God is interested in us multiplying and increasing. He is not interested in us staying the same year after year after year after year going through the same old things over and over and over again, the same old struggles. I don't know why, you know, God has just seen fit to, to have us in this situation and be dealing with these same things over and over again. But, you know, it just, you know, we're content because it just must be God's will. No, no, it, it just may be that, that you've been walking around in the wilderness for 40 years because the Lord's trying to get you to see the potential in what's in your hand. But it doesn't multiply on its own. You've got to do something with it. It takes some diligence. You've got to know the state of your flocks. You've got to pay attention to the, the state of your herd. And, and when you do that, what did he say? He said, you'll have more than enough. The Bible talks about in Proverbs 18, he said, if you till your land, you'll have plenty of bread. But he who follows after vain persons will uh, have poverty. He says, a faithful man will abound with blessings. So there are so many things that God wants us to increase. He wants us to come up to a higher level, but the Lord knows what we can handle. And the Lord said this to me recently. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I know I'm called to ministry, and I know I'm called to full-time ministry. Um, that's been in my heart for years. But I'll just be straight with you. I'm not there yet. I'm still working full-time. And, you know, I've had moments in my own life of feeling frustrated with that and feeling like, you know, (laughs) when's this going to change? When am I going to get to that point where I can finally step out into full-time ministry? And the Lord spoke to my heart this week. And he said, Ben, before I can entrust you with a full-time ministry, I need to know I can trust you with a full-time job. I said, Lord, why'd you have to say that? (laughs) You know, but the reason why I say that is because there's a lot of things that God has entrusted to us right now, but 
We're so focused on what's out here, and we're supposed to have vision. Don't misunderstand me. The Bible says that without vision, people perish. But you can, you can get so focused on what you wish you had, and if we only had this amount of money, and if we only had this thing, and if we only had that thing, then, then we could do this. Then we could do that. If I only got this, I could do that. If I only had that, then I could do that. And the trap in that is that you can't multiply what's in the future. That just came right out of my spirit. You can't multiply something that's not in your hand. You understand? You can't multiply something that you can't touch right now. You know, you can't sow seed that you pledged to sow. Uh-oh. You can't, let me say it like this. You can't reap a harvest off of seed that you pledged to sow. Now, I'm not saying that pledge offerings are wrong or anything wrong with them, but don't be expecting a harvest off of something you say, well, I, I, one day I'll sow that. The Bible says he who regards the clouds won't sow, and he who regards the wind won't reap. You got to do something with what God's already put in your hand. You know, um, a lot of people, the Bible talks about um, in uh, Hebrews chapter 5 about moving on to maturity and things of that nature and not laying again the foundation of certain things. And he said, this we will do if God permits. Um, there are tests that we have to pass in order to move on to the next thing. It's kind of like being in school. You know, you got to pass tests to graduate. And you know, it doesn't matter how old somebody is in the natural. If they don't pass the test, they don't get the diploma. If you don't pass your driving test, you don't get a driver's license. And we <laughs> there's a lot of us me included at times, that have, have spent a summer or two in summer school, spiritually speaking. Because, and that's the good thing, um, with God, it's never too late. Because even if you failed the same test 20 times in a row, he's like, well, baby, just study it up and we'll take it again next week. He won't give up on you. He won't quit on you. He won't say, okay, just forget it. You know, you've taken it too many times. You, you're never going to pass that test. No, he'll, he'll give you opportunity after opportunity to pass tests. But a lot of people and a lot of us have been on the border of some things, have been right on the threshold of some things we've been believing for and we've been asking the Lord for and we've been desiring and we've been wanting. And the Lord's like, I want you to have it. I'm okay with you having that. I hey, God's not opposed to us being promoted into the next thing. He's just opposed to us promoting ourselves. And God's system of promotion is faithfulness and stewardship. And God puts things in our hands right now. And, and I mean, even just in the natural, you look at people who are successful naturally. Now, natural success is not the same as success in God's estimation. So you can't keep those things and, and you can't make that the same thing. You can't cause that to be equal. But, but there's a principle in here we can see. Anybody that is successful, they started where they were and did something with what they had and now they're at another place. And as long as people keep going around in the same cycle, nothing's ever going to change. See, the enemy likes to get us in these cycles, these loops, these strongholds, where we just keep going around the same cul-de-sac over and over and over again, over and over and over again. Well, here we are again. Here we are again. We just do it. And, then, and then people start complaining and murmuring and saying, well, I thought God had this and well, I thought God was going to do that. And then that that's failing a test in and of itself. And then the Bible talks about people turning and testing God and saying, God, if you're really with us, why hadn't this happened yet? If you're really with us, why are we still struggling with this? If you're really with us, well, now, now you're acting like God's the one that's got to take the test. Now you're testing him, and he's like, baby, I'm testing you. When are you going to pass the test? I'm not yelling at you, you understand. I'm just, I'm worked up this morning. 
Um, Bible says, until the time came, the word of the Lord tested Joseph. And, and many people, you've heard this before, I'll say it again anyway, though. Um, many people say, you know, I, I tried that, I tried the word of God, I tried praying, I tried sowing, and it didn't work. No, baby, it tried you. <laughs> it tried you. And um, a lot of these things, you know, like tithing. Tithing is not about being religious, but it is a test of obedience. And a lot of people say, well, you know, I tithe, and I, you know, I tithe for, you know, three weeks in a row and nothing good happened. Well, it's a commitment. You know, what if I got married and said, uh, you know, I tried being married for three weeks and it just, you know, I don't know, just nothing seemed to change yet. You know, it's like, well, it's not about that. It's a commitment. I, I committed to being married to my wife. So it's not based on that. I made the commitment. And, and God tests us in these little things. Amen. Glory to God. I'll amen myself at least. Um, go over to uh, Isaiah chapter 1, starting in verse 11. I know I, I kind of threw a curveball at you, love. Um, we'll read here just for a little bit. He said, To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, says the Lord? He said, I'm full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or lambs or of the goats. So, so they're coming and they're, they're continually offering these same sacrifices over and over again. And they're, you know, it's Monday, so it's sacrifice day. So they're, they're bringing their sacrifice and they're doing it over and over and over again. And God finally said, he's like, why, why are you doing this? What's the purpose of this? You're just doing the same thing over and over again. Um, he, he actually said, I'm fed up with your offerings. <laughs> I'm fed up with your offerings. But, but why? Why was God fed up with the offering? Not because he doesn't want us to give offerings, but the heart behind it wasn't right. Keep going, verse 12. When you come to appear before me, who has required this at your hand to tread my courts? Verse 13. Bring no more vain oblations, that means offerings, or incense as an abomination unto me, the new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies. I cannot, with, I cannot away with. Uh, that's, that's King James. Basically, he's saying, I can't take anymore. <laughs> it is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Verse 14, your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. Uh, skip down um, to about, let's try verse uh, 17, see where that gets us. Um, yeah, what did he say in verse 17? Learn to do, learn to do well. What does that mean? Learn to do well. What did he say in uh, Galatians? Don't grow weary in what? In well-doing. He said, learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless and plead for the widow. Um, when I was in Texas serving Jeremy and Sarah Pearson's, um, we had just started um, our, our jobs. We, no, we had just had to get into apartments, excuse me. And so we had to get jobs. We were interns for a while, and um, we were still interns, but we had to get an apartment, and so we had to get a job to be able to pay for the apartment, you understand? Um, and I was um, about to start working at Chick-fil-A, but... Um, I, in the meantime, I hadn't started yet, and I was working for uh, a guy that was a local, had a local business there. And um, I, I was working really hard, you know, trying to make money. And I was really sweating it out, and uh, I had an option to go into work one day. And I thought the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, hey, just, no, just don't go in today. And I, it was the kind of job where I could do that. You understand? It, I wasn't, you know, skipping a shift or something like that. I had the option of working when I wanted to. And uh, he, I felt the Lord said, don't go into work today. And so I, I just went and rested. And it was just spending some time with the Lord. And the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said, Ben, 
I want you working well, not working hard. He said, I, don't, I, I want you working well, not working hard. There's a lot of people who are working hard, but they're not working well. What does that mean? Well, you know, you can drive your car into the ground, but that doesn't mean it's working well. It may be working hard, but it doesn't mean it's working well. You can, you can push that thing you can, you can, you know, drive 1,500 miles a week on that thing. You can just absolutely run it into the ground. And it's working hard. You're pushing it to the limit. But it doesn't work well, especially after a few years. God's more interested in us working well. Excuse me. And in order to work well, you've got to give yourself to things. The more divided you are, the less you'll be able to give to those individual things. You can focus. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's keep reading in Isaiah, verse 18. Um, he said, come now, let us reason together. You know, not all reason is bad. Not all reason is bad. There's worldly reasoning, but there's godly reasoning too. Uh, verse 19, let's skip that. He said, if you be willing... And obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. So it's not just about obedience. It's about willingness and obedience. That has to do with well-doing. Not only what you're doing, but how you're doing it, the heart behind what you're doing. Are you giving yourself to a thing? To one thing? Um... Keep going. We'll just re finish this real quick. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured. What did he say you would eat if you were willing and obedient? The good of the land. What's that? That's increase. Verse 21. How has this faithful city become a harlot? It was full of judgment. Righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers. Um, down in verse, uh, try 19, or yeah, there it is. Your silver has become dross, and your wine has been mixed with water. <laughs> What's he talking about here? He's saying the quality has suffered. The quality has suffered. Your uh, silver has, has gotten faded, and the wine is watered down. Why? Because... You're not willing and obedient. You're just rushing through stuff. You're, you're so pushed to the, the breaking point and the limit that you're just rushing through stuff to get things done. You're just rushing through that and you're rushing through that and you're rushing through that and then we'll do a little bit of this and we'll do a little bit of that. We'll do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. What is that? When you are not able to give yourself to one thing, the quality of everything suffers. Go over to... Uh, uh, put up, um, I'm going to throw another one on you. Oh, man, there's so many verses in this. We'll go ahead and go here. Um, 1 Timothy 4.15. The Lord was ministering this to me this week, and I got a little bit of a spanking, if I'm being honest with you. He said, meditate upon these things and give yourself wholly to them that your profiting may appear to all. I'm going to read it again. Meditate upon these things and give yourself wholly to them that your profiting may appear to all. What's profiting? That's increase. But why would the increase not be happening? Because you're not giving yourself wholly to this thing. Not meditating wholly on one thing. Um, Jesus told Martha when she was upset with Mary for not helping her. The Bible says she was careful and troubled about with many things. But he said, you're careful and troubled, but Mary has chosen that good part that won't be taken away from her. He said, one thing is needful. And notice that because she was wholly given to one thing, it wasn't taken away from her. 
Well, over in the parable, I think we're going to read it here in a minute, in Matthew 25, with that servant that was unfaithful, with the talent that he was given, what did he say? He said, take what he has and give it to them. It was, uh, it was taken away from him. Why? Because he didn't give himself wholly to it. That's a picture of decrease. <laughs> that's decrease. Well, that's not the direction we're supposed to be going. And that's not the direction we have to go. God wants us to come up. He wants us to increase. He wants us to have more. He wants us to do more. But it comes through faithfulness. But this is an element of faithfulness that we're seeing. You got to give yourself wholly to something. You know, this week I was a, the Lord was ministering some things about this to me. And something came up in my heart that I didn't expect. And I felt like the Lord in my heart was ministering this to me. Um, I use earphones a lot at work. And I, I like my headphones. And I'm usually always listening to music or a message or something. And, you know, I used to not be able to do that at jobs I had in the past. But at this job, you know, I, I'm, you know, there's not a whole lot of opportunity for social interaction. So I usually just put my headphones in and just do my work and spend the whole day like that. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, um, I'm the kind of person that I get really invested in whatever I'm listening to. And a lot of times it may be really good, but I have found that I've had a tendency to get so involved in what I'm listening to that I make mistakes while I'm working. Now, is it possible to be listening to a message and make a mistake because you were invested in the message and not what you were supposed to be doing? Well, again, I'm a big fan of listening to the word while I'm working. I'm not trying to say that's not right. I, I like to do that. But I got to the point that I was doing it all day and not just the word, but worship music, whatever the case is. And some of the quality of what I was doing was suffering. Why? Because I wasn't giving myself to it. I'm not coming against listening to the stuff while you're working. But you can only give yourself wholly to one thing at a time. And I felt like the Lord said to me, Ben, you've been addicted to your headphones. And you need to, you need to take a break from them. He didn't tell me I can't ever listen to anything at work anymore, but, but I felt like he said, you need to be very selective about how much time you're spending with your headphones in instead of focusing on your job. You know, um, if I'm driving down the road and uh, you know, I'm behind the wheel, should I be reading my Bible at the same time? <laughs> well, should you read your Bible? Absolutely. But should you do it while you're driving? No, why? Because if I'm going to be successful at driving, I got to give myself wholly to it. I got to focus on it. And, and a lot of the reason why I think we haven't gotten the full benefit out of what's right in front of us is because we haven't given ourselves wholly to it. That includes the ministry of the word. That includes uh, worship. That includes whatever the case is, but also the natural things. You know, he, he said, if you haven't been faithful with the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? You've got to give yourself wholly to a thing in order for your profiting to appear to all. Amen. Um, I'm almost done. This is an interesting verse I found. I like going where the pages are stuck together. Um, there's a lot of good, good treasures back there. Hosea 7 and verse 6. This was in my original notes, uh, Grace, so that, 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 that'll help you. Hosea 7 and verse 6. Take your time. There's no rush. Y'all can turn there if you want. He said, um, For they have made ready their heart like an oven. He said, their heart's like an oven. It says, while they lie in wait, their baker sleeps all the night. In the morning, it burns as a flaming fire. They are all hot as an oven and have devoured their judges. All their kings are fallen. There is none among them that calls unto me. Verse 8, Ephraim 
has done what? He's mixed himself among the people. (laughs) What is that? That's being given to a bunch of things at once. Mixed. Mixed company. Ephraim is what? A cake not turned. What does that mean? Another translation says a half-baked cake. It's not talking about the kind of half-baked you might be thinking about. Anyway. (laughs) A half-baked cake. What does that mean? Well, we, we started out talking about cake. And, uh, you know, well-doing has to do with, you know, baking a cake and doing it to the best of your ability. Well, it has to do with not fully cooking something, something that's undercooked. Have you ever eaten a pancake that wasn't fully cooked? It was still gooey in the middle. What is that? That's a half-baked cake. Well, what does that have to do with their heart being like an oven? Well, my grandmother at her house... The oven only heats up to about 200 degrees. It's broken, at least it was, unless we fixed it. But it only heats up to about 200 degrees. So I didn't know that, and I tried to bake a frozen pizza. And you know what I got out of that oven? I got a lukewarm pizza. I don't know if you've ever had... Pizza's not supposed to come out of the oven lukewarm, you understand? So it was half-baked. It was half-cooked. Why? Because of the condition of the oven. Because of the condition of the heart that was put into it. Do you see that? Does that make sense? Their heart's like an oven. If the heart is, watch this, lukewarm, that affects what's being brought forth. That affects the quality of what you're putting your hand to. And that's going to affect your increase. That's going to affect your profiting appearing to all. You know what else appears to all? When it goes the other direction. And so the condition of your heart, the willingness of your heart, has to do with heat, fervency. Go to Romans chapter 12. We're almost done. Romans chapter 12. Thank you, Lord. In verse 11, what did he say? He said, don't be slothful in business. Uh, Slothful, don't don't trip. Slothful has to do with uh, hesitating. Hesitating, shrinking back, timidity. Timidity. Slothful has to do with timidity. Well, we know that from Matthew 25. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. Why? Because he didn't invest what what his master had given him to invest. He hid it in the ground. Why did he hide it in the ground? Because if it's in the ground, he doesn't have to pay attention to the state of it. Do you hear that? You don't have to pay attention to something that's buried in the ground. But see those other servants? They traded and invested that. They had to watch the stock market. They had to pay attention. They had to know when to buy and when to sell. They had to pay attention to the state of it. That's diligence. That's giving yourself wholly to it. I've got to pay attention to it. I can't can't have my mind somewhere else. When I'm supposed to be giving myself to this thing. And they're the ones that profited. They're the ones that were promoted. And given more. They increased. And so he said not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. This word fervent literally means to bring to a boil. To bring to a boiling point. What do you do when you're cooking uh, noodles? You bring it to a boil. Well have you ever eaten undercooked noodles? They're nasty. Uh, why would a, a noodle not be cooked thoroughly? Can you bake noodles or cook noodles, excuse me, in lukewarm water? Mm-mm. You can't. So let me ask you this. If you taste something that's undercooked, whether it's meat 
whether it's noodles, whether it's cake, what do you do with it? You spit it out. What did the Lord say in Revelations chapter 3 about being lukewarm? He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth because you are neither hot nor cold, but are lukewarm. I think some people hear that and they think God's going to cast you off forever. No, that's not, I don't believe that's what he's saying. He's talking about their work. He said, your, your work, you read the whole passage, we won't take time to read it right now, but he's talking to them about their work. In other words, he's kind of like those, those guys on those shows that are testing the food, those chef shows, those cooking shows, they're testing the food. God's testing your work. He's like, oh, let me get a little taste of that. And, and, and if you gave yourself wholly to it, if you paid attention to it, if you put your whole heart in it, again, it doesn't, it's not about the money that you had. It's not about uh, what you couldn't do. God doesn't judge your work based on what you couldn't do. He does it based on what he knows you can do. Like I said, Sue and Roger didn't have the budget that some other things have with their thing, but they did the best they could with what they had. And everybody enjoyed it. It was good. And so God knows what you can do. And he, he, he goes through and he tastes that. And he's like, oh, mm, that's good. I like that myself. But then he comes over here and there's this half thrown together cake with, you know, it's still gooey in the middle and the icing's kind of melted on top of it and then half the top's ripped off and the candles are all just kind of sporadic and just whatever. Well, what's going to happen with that? He's going to say, I know you can do better than that. I, I know what I've put in you. I know, I know what I've put in you is better than that. And the thing is, God loves you. It's not about whether or not he loves you, but if you don't pass the test, you can't move on to the next round. Do you understand? You're not going to be in the final three contestants of the show if you don't pass stage number one. He loves you. And guess what? If you've messed up, if you haven't done it, it's okay. He'll give you another shot. He's faithful to us. He doesn't leave us where we're at. But the reason why many of us haven't moved forward into the next thing is because we haven't passed those tests. And, and, it, and it's not impossible. It's not impossible to do what God calls us to do. God is not a hard master. But one of the biggest things that keeps people from stepping into what God has called them to do is timidity and fear. That's what happened with that servant, the unknown. He hesitated. That, that he said, I was afraid. I was afraid. He hesitated. Back to Romans 12, 11. He said, Servant, uh, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So the, the, the level of heat on the inside, the fervency on the inside, the heart is what determines the quality of what you bring forth. And that's going to determine whether or not you move on to the next thing, whether or not you are promoted, whether or not you reap. And I just want to encourage everybody in here, including myself, the Lord has been ministering these things to me, that God has more for you. God has more that he wants to entrust you with. And this is not a message of condemnation and saying you haven't been faithful and you haven't done this and you haven't done that. No, I believe the Lord is simply giving us the map of how to do things his way. I believe everybody in this room has been faithful over a few things. Th thank God he said, you've been faithful over a few things. He didn't say you were perfect about everything. He said, you were faithful with a few things. And that's all it took. He's not a hard master. He's not making it hard. But he wants to help us be prepared to be able to handle what he has in store for us. That's why he gives us the test. Let me ask you this question. How many of you, if you were going in for open heart surgery, and the doctor comes in there, and he said, all right, you ready to go under? And you said, yeah, yeah, but hold on one second. I'm just, just out of curiosity. I, I didn't see any plaques on your wall. Where, where did you go to medical school? Oh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. No. Okay. Well, well, how do you, I mean, do you, where did you learn medicine? I didn't. I didn't. But I've seen over 365 episodes of ER. 
I, I, I know, I know every, every character in Grey's Anatomy. I, I could quote to you every line from House MD. These are all TV shows. Maybe you don't know what they are. That's all right. Um, would, you, would you feel comfortable <laughs> letting that man operate? There's a reason why it's only $100, you, you know. Um, don't, don't let him operate on you. Why? Because he hadn't passed any tests. I'm not going to entrust myself to that. Well, is God going to entrust something precious to somebody who hadn't passed any test? Should he? No. Um, but the good news is, praise God, he said it was according to their ability. That means you can do it. And he knows you can do it. And he knows that you're well able to overcome that thing. The Bible says he doesn't allow us to be tempted above what we are able. And he wouldn't have put it right in front of you if he knew that you aren't well able to, to make something beautiful out of this. He knows the potential that's in you. He knows you can make something beautiful out of what I've put in your lap, what I've put in your hand. And, and if, you, if you don't get it the first time, all right, I'll see you here same time next week. Let's keep working. Let's keep doing it because I know there's more in you than this. And what God is trying to do is he's trying to bring us up to a higher level and bring out the full potential that he sees in us. And that's the thing. God wouldn't even be wasting his time with you if he didn't see your potential. If he didn't see what, what he knew you were capable of doing with what he's given you. It's not according to your strength and your ability. It wasn't their talent. It wasn't their money. It was what the master had given them. It's a grace. It's a gift. It's an anointing. We can't boast in it. But by the grace of God, we've been given it, and we want to steward it well. Amen. Last verse, and we're, we're done, I promise you. And we'll stand up and say our confessions, and you can go to Applebee's or wherever you want to go. Um, uh, Psalm 37. Thank you, Lord. This is not at all where I was planning on going today. But I, like I said, you're stuck with me for two weeks, so we'll see what happens next week. As far as I know, but, you know, Lord willing. Psalm 37, verse 1. He said, don't fret yourself because of evildoers, neither be envious against the workers of iniquity. Um, you shouldn't always be focused on what ungodly people are doing. And you certainly shouldn't be envious about what they're doing because they increase the wrong way. And uh, like I said, there is a, a, a way of increase that's not godly. But the end of it is destruction. Verse 2, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. You know, when, if people are always talking about what, what the, the ungodly people are doing, and they're doing this, and they're doing that, and they're doing this, and they're doing that, the value system's wrong. Because his perspective says, they ain't going to be doing it much longer. It's not going to last much longer. Verse 3, he said, trust in the Lord and do good. Do good. You could say do well. So shall you dwell in the land and verily you'll be fed. The new King James says you will feed on his faithfulness. So you're going to be fed in that place. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Verse 5. Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he will bring it to pass. How's it going to happen? Because you dwelled in the land and you did good. He didn't just say dwell in the land. You got to dwell in the land and you got to do well. But if you do, and again, it's not hard. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't ask us to do things he knows we can't do. If you'll do good in the land, then you're going you're gonna to delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you the next thing. I'll tell you this last story and then I'll be done. When I was, um, again, when I was, I was with the Pearsons, I don't have a lot of stories other than when I was with the Pearsons. <laughs> um, when I was with the Pearsons, I really wanted to do music. I really wanted to do music. Um, I, I, you know, camera was never something I was super passionate about. And, uh, but they, that's what they needed. They needed me to do camera. And so I, I did it. And I endeavored to do my best with it. Um, but in the meantime, um, I, I felt impressed to start learning how to play the bass. And so I, I started learning how to play the bass, and sometimes I would sit in the other room while they were having worship practice, and I would play with them on the bass in the other room, and I'd learn those songs. And I didn't tell anybody that I was doing that. 
And at the same time, I was, you know, I was being faithful with what they had given me and, and what I was supposed to be doing. But um, one day, uh, Sarah looks at me and she says, Ben, do you play the bass? I said, well, as a matter of fact, I do. Why? Because I, I had been developing that. And so I had an opportunity to do that. It was a desire of my heart. And, you know, when you, when you have a, a, a desire of your heart, many times, if, if, it's, if it's in your heart, if it's not just a flesh covetous thing, many times that's from the Lord. The Lord put that desire in you. It, it says he gave you the desire of your heart. He gave you that desire. And there's a reason why that desire is in you, but what you don't want to do is try to make it happen on your own. You want to be faithful with what he's given you and, and use what he's given you. I didn't just sit around waiting for something to happen. I actually put my hand to something. I actually started learning. I, I learned to do well, like I said in Isaiah. I learned to do well. And then an opportunity came, and I was ready. So the Lord always requires something of us. And if you, if, if you're, if you feel like there's more, if you felt unsatisfied, I feel like there's got to be more than just what's right in front of me. There's got to be more. Baby, it's because there's more. <laughs> but how do you access it through faithfulness? Amen. Glory to God. Y'all can stand up. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tanny Love Church podcast. For more information about us, visit us online at www.tannylovechurch.com. And you can also check us out on social media, on Instagram and Facebook.